Here we are, episode 20 of Built for Better. Uh, today I've got Josh Smith in from Fortitude Nutrition. Uh, he's known to the LTF members as the nutrition guy. Uh, I've worked with Josh personally, as we'll talk about in the podcast, uh, but he's an absolute wealth of knowledge and I'm really excited to have him on. But before we get into it, let's roll the intro. I'm sick of us not doing this right, that's why I think I've gotten you from my life. No more, I'm sick of us not doing this right, that's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more, wasted energy spending the pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door, but time's a currency, I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon, I don't mean to be rude, but this scene ain't for me, like your mom's seeing your nudes. Hey mate, thanks for jumping on. No worries, how you been? Yeah, good. Different times with the obviously um, lockdowns and restrictions on gyms, but this is my f- third podcast this week. It's Wednesday, so it's, you know, filling it in with other bits and pieces. Yeah, no, I'm using the time wisely. Yeah, how's it been for your business? Um, yeah, it's, it's not been too bad. We had an initial drop-off, uh, which was expected just uh, based on people's employment. Um, but since then, things either have leveled out or, or picked back up again. So um, same on our end. We're just trying to adapt our service to, to make it suit whatever the client's needs are now. So uh, for some of, some of my clients in particular, we're just working, working on some new strategies. They might have had some new goals, um, getting more accustomed to nutrition at home, maybe um, even working from home. So um, we're just yeah changing things slightly to suit whatever the clients need at the moment. Yeah, it's a time that can really go either way with your nutrition and your goals, isn't it? Like yeah. I know myself, like when it first happened, I was eating horribly and then like in over Easter and but finally pulled the reins in now. But, you know, it can go two ways at this time. Like with uncertainty, we tend to, I guess, eat foods that aren't probably in line with our goals. Yeah, I just did a bit of research on stress as well and how that affects our body. And, you know, initially when, when we are stressed, we have a bit of a reduction appetite. Uh, but once the stress passes and the stress re- response kind of kicks in, we tend to feel more hungry and we also tend to crave comfort foods as well. Um, and, you know, with high levels of stress and repeated bouts of stress going on at the moment um, with so many factors, it can be a bit of a, a tricky situation and you can get into some pretty bad habits. So most things I'm, I'm talking to people about are, you know, get into your habits really early um, setting up a good routine with your nutrition because we just don't know how long this is going to go for. So if it goes for three months, six months, you know, hopefully not a year, but if that happens, uh, we don't want to look back in a year's time and go, oh, I really wish that I just built some habits early on and it would have made such an easier process. Yeah, and while it might be a little bit, um, I guess, rewarding at the time, like what you eat affects what you do and how you think and, you know, it's that vicious exactly. circle, isn't it? Yeah, even just that with that stress, you know, people tend to look for a short-term, immediate kind of fix rather than, rather than looking at the long-term. Um, so that's something that we want to try and kind of work with people on is, you know, just looking at the, the, the long game rather than just like, oh, I want to feel better for the next five minutes. And then even like having some post-meal guilt is going to add to more stress later on. Yeah, 100%. So you're kind of known to the LTF crew as the nutrition guy. Uh, you jump on and do a post yeah. every week and a, a live video once a month. Um, and I don't even know how I come across you, to be honest, but, um, you know, I've obviously done a weight loss journey in the past and tried every single diet under the sun, whether it be low-carb, um, low-fat, 
uh, all of them. Anyway, somehow I come across Josh, and I, while I did lose the weight, I'd never been able to get, you know, um, lean around the stomach. Anyways, we worked together for a fair while. Was it, you know, six months, and I'd send you a regular food diary. And each yeah, time... every week. Yeah, you helped me really create a good relationship with food because every month when we'd speak on the phone, you'd increase my calories. Um. And, yeah, you know, more carb. And I was like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. But surprisingly, <laughs> my body kept making changes towards my goal and I was eating more food than I ever thought that was possible to eat, um, which really gave me the confidence to obviously throw you in head on to share your knowledge with my members. But how did you get into the journey of being the nutrition guy? Uh, it's been a pretty long journey. Um, it all probably started officially about seven years ago actually probably eight years ago now. So um, I never really lived the healthiest lifestyle kind of before I got into nutrition. Um, I used to be a school teacher, but I also played in a, in a punk band. So, you know, kind of did all the things that are associated with being in a punk band. What um, instrument and, did you play? I uh, played guitar and I did a little bit of singing. So I went solo for a while as well there. Um, but yeah, guitar and a little bit of vocals. But I didn't eat vegetables for pretty much 25 years of my life um, and I was really unhealthy, poor mental health. Um, I was always pretty active, you know, swimming, playing soccer, playing cricket, um, but just the health was never there. I was always run down, um, had a lot of allergies. I've had pneumonia like five times. So, uh, but it all kind of changed. Um, yeah, nearly eight years ago, I had a, a pretty bad car accident. I was driving home from a recording studio uh, at the time, and I just blacked out. Um, there was no reason why it happened, no drugs, no alcohol, no nothing. Uh, I just blacked out driving. Uh, um, and I woke up in hospital, couldn't feel my legs, couldn't walk. And just when I was just laying in there, I just kind of vowed to myself that I would never take movement for granted ever again. So when I got out of hospital, um, I started training at a gym with my housemate at the time. I lived in Cronulla, and I just started training at uh, Fitness First in, in Miranda. So I trained there and I just got, it was really, really hard to train. I just didn't really know what I was doing, but I got a PT and, um, and putting me through all these workouts. I just always felt sick and recovery was really hard. And I thought there must be a way to make this easier. Um, so I started looking into nutrition. And like at this time, like I said, I, I didn't really eat any vegetables at all. Um, I didn't eat much protein either. Um, had a pretty, like I did say, like pretty westernized diet. So then I started to look into nutrition. There was just so much conflicting information. There was this diet that says low carb, this one that says high carb. There's low fat, high fat, vegan, meat, whatever, um, paleo. So I was like, there's just like really one way that kind of works for everyone. But now that I, there's, not, there's not one way that works for everyone anyway. Um, but I just thought maybe I could use my like education background and you know study a bit, bit about nutrition and try and just teach people the fundamentals about what, what actually works for them um, and how to deliver the information in a way that they're going to absorb and digest a bit. So I got really into the nutrition side of things and kind of when I started my journey, it was basically tuna and rice with frozen veggies, um, oats with maybe a bit of fruit, and then um, kangaroo burger patties with frozen veggies as well. So that's how I started because my, my cooking skills weren't there as well. And I always talk to people about like, do what um, kind of work towards your skill level uh, or work at your skill level. And that was my skill level at the time. And, you know, 
um, improved since then, but that's how I started. And um, so then I started to study nutrition and built the company. And then at the end of 2017, I decided to give up teaching uh, full time. And I flew to Iceland for a month. And when I was over there, I just you know wanted to develop my company. Um, and yeah, I just traveled around for a month. And while I was there, I bumped into my mate Ryan, um, who was living in uh, Poland at the time. So he came over to Iceland. We spent 10 days together. He then saw what I was doing with Fortitude. And when he came back to Australia, he said, oh, I kind of wouldn't mind studying it and jumping on board with you. So that was about 2018. And ever since then, Ryan and I have been working together and we, um, we run Fortitude Nutrition Coaching together. And we are primarily an education-based company. So we just try and improve people's knowledge and understanding of nutrition. But most, the main thing that we do is we want to try and simplify nutrition. We don't want to use these big words that people don't understand. Um, and that potentially become, you know, barriers for them. We just try and give them what they need to know um, and give them some strategies on how to actually implement that. So, yeah, that's we've been kind of a team of, of two for the last uh, three years. But last year, we um, we actually employed two more people. So Sammy Drescher and, uh, and Mac Baker. So now we've got a team of four. And, um, yeah, we're just working as a team now. Yeah, love it. And um, with your allergies that you mentioned, now with obviously change of diet, do you still have allergies and whatnot? No, no. So my my mental health, my um, just overall health, my allergies, all those things, like they've all improved dramatically. Um, I haven't, I very, very rarely get sick now. And I was always sick, like I said before, I've had pneumonia five times, like... <laughs> You know, that's probably not a normal thing for most people to have. Um, and since then, I might maybe get like a bit of a cold once a year. Um, but allergies are certainly not like they, they used to be. And maybe a little bit of hay fever here and there. But um, I was, you know, always sneezing, always had to carry a hanky like an old man. Uh, but I don't have to do those things anymore. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, what you're putting in has such a major result. Like, I guess down a similar path, like I know when I've been eating unhealthy because my back is full of pimples and whatnot. When I've been eating clean, like I must say, geez, your back's clear and it's just like a relationship to what I'm putting in my mouth to the difference it makes. Yeah. And obviously the nutrition path yeah, exactly. led you down um, going to the CrossFit Games to help a couple of athletes out. What was that like? Uh, it was an unreal experience. Um, I'd actually started training at, uh, at CrossFit Play uh, with Khan and after a few months he goes, oh, do you, have, you run some nutrition business? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, can you work with me? And I was like, oh, yeah, all right. No worries. And I remember I was absolutely shitting myself. Oh, can I swear on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go your hardest. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was shitting myself going, like, going to meet with him about nutrition and um Anyway, so I started working with him and then from there I just got the confidence to reach out to a few more athletes and we've got Justine Beath and I've got a few more regionals athletes um, and at, at our first regionals working together, um, both Justine and Khan qualified for the Games. So that year I flew over to them, uh, flew over with them and I was at, um, at Madison and it was an unreal experience. I've never been to the CrossFit Games before um, and just to see the event, to see how it's all put together um, see the hard work that the athletes, you know, kind of put in, but just a quick turnaround between events and how quickly they have to adapt. Um, it's they're actually insane, like how they can do it, and they just don't complain. They just get it done, 
You know, that the, I think the first day they had, um, I forget what the first event was, but there was the marathon row, there was the one, there was the crossfit total, there was 30 muscle ups for time, but they were all like four absolutely brutal workouts that you would never wish anyone would do on their own, like in one day, but they did it four. And then they had a day off and they kind of like, most of them were like, oh, I want to just go again tomorrow. I don't want to have the day off. So um, that was, it was a really, really good experience. And um, it was great for me to put my knowledge to the test at the time as well, because I'd never worked with anyone to do a marathon row before, especially not the fourth event of the day. So um, it was really, really great to put some strategies and put like my knowledge to the test as well for them and see them, you know, get the best results. Yeah, and what sort of impact did going to the, you know, watching obviously the games have on your personal training when you got back? Um, I'd look, I'd really liked doing CrossFit um, when I was, I'd probably been doing it for maybe three years before I went to the games. Yeah. Um, and it just, I just, I really enjoyed the community as well. And I just, it just made me more enjoy the sport if anything, yeah. like I don't really have any ambitions to, to compete or anything. I just really like going to the gym, but I really like the community aspect. And then even more, it's just like, I, m- I remember when I started training at the gym that I train at now, or I was training at before it all kind of, this, all this, all this thing happened, but I was at a cafe one day. And when I went to the gym, someone said, Oh, I saw you at this cafe and I knew that you were a CrossFitter. Like it's, it's a really weird thing that you just kind of can spot people and you know that they, they do CrossFit based on what they wear or how they look um so it is kind of a, a cool community or you know club some people call it a cult but um yeah i think it's just cool to keep supporting your local gym and um yeah i think there's so many great friendships that i've built from from that that i want to keep being part of, of crossfit yeah i know like whenever i just click on like the documentary like fittest on earth like it just gives you that little bit of motivation to train that little bit harder each time you strap them on like a, obviously being there um yeah, it would have been a really cool experience and something that I want to, you know, go and see one day for sure. What? Uh, yeah. How do we? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, how do we? How do we break down nutrition for a um, just general pop like anyone who wants to improve? What are some of the principles that that you really abide by? Well, we've got five um, that we kind of look for at Fortitude. Um, when it comes to like just say total health and longevity um, and they're kind of like the, the underlying theme no matter what your goal is if it's fat loss if it's muscle gain if it's sports performance they're probably three common goals that we'll have um, but you know under all that we want to be be healthy and to do that we want protein and plants as a base of our meal um, because of the role they have uh, the role they play with immune function um, so protein people might think it's only about muscle growth and repair um, but it also has roles play in our immune function uh, whether we want to uh, lose weight whether we want to build muscle we want to try and hold on to whatever muscle we have as well so protein has a role to play in that um, and plants are also very satiating they provide us with fiber which is great for digestion um, but having a variety of these foods also gives us a, a variety of micronutrients so vitamins and minerals um, so just to ensure that we're ticking lots of boxes in regards to health um, our second one is hydration, so making sure we're drinking plenty of water, maintaining hydration. Uh, third one is sleep, so sleeping seven to nine hours a night, once again for overall health, for repair, recovery, um, but also the role it has to play with our hunger and our satiety hormones, our energy levels, our willpower. 
Um, our fourth one we have is managing stress. Um, so like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, um, you know, stress has a massive role to play on our, our digestion, our choices, our behavior. Um, but fifth and probably one of the most important ones is, is patience and consistency. You know, we want people to work towards their goals and not just achieve them, but we want them to maintain them. So, you know, anyone can follow any diet for eight weeks, but if they don't enjoy it and they don't understand how it works, they may not be able to maintain it, especially if they don't enjoy it. So we want people to be, you know, patient and consistent and find a way that suits them um, above all so that they can move towards their goal and, you know, achieve it and maintain it. If, you know, we don't want people to lose five kilos and then put it back on. We want them to lose five kilos and keep it off. We don't want people to, you know, put weight on if their goal is muscle gain. We want them to put weight on and, you know, stay at that weight. Um, we don't want people to become healthy and then lose it. The goal is at the end of the day to get towards your goal and stay there. So um, that's why patience and consistency is really important. Understanding it takes time um, and do it all in a way that, that you um, enjoy. Yeah. Let's go through them individually. So protein and plants, um, what's kind of your recommendation there? Does lean protein v fattier protein make a big difference? Depends on your goal. Um, if your goal is fat loss, looking for a leaner source of protein um, just because it's then lower calorie per bite. Um, but, you know, a variety um, is, is important because we also get a range of micronutrients from different types of animal products. Um, aiming for a source of protein and plants at each meal um, is going to be ideal as well, um, just spreading it evenly throughout the day. So, yeah having a, yeah. a base but pretty much when you're when you're building a meal pick protein pick some plants yeah and do you sort of cast like potatoes as plants or do you cast them as a carb that's a carbohydrate yeah yeah but most so other plants we yeah at fnc we call them nds um just wanted to try and make them sound a little bit sexier because acronyms are sexy um, like that stands for nutrient-dense foods. So these foods are our vegetables, our salads, our berries, our fruits, and these are really high-volume, low-calorie-per-bite foods. So we can eat lots of them. They're going to take up a lot of room in our stomach, but they won't provide very many calories. So um, just off the top of my head, 100 grams of strawberries is about 26 calories. I think 100 grams of bikini is like 19 calories. 100 grams of pumpkin, I think it's about 40 calories. Same with broccoli. Um, so if you know you eat 700 grams of these a day, um, it's which is a recommendation. So 400 grams of veggies and 300 grams of fruit, um, it's not going to impact your calorie intake much at all. And I really think if there's one thing I could teach everyone, it would be about food volume um, and not to be scared of eating lots of actual food volume, especially when we look at calorie per bite um, and filling your plate up with veggies and salads and berries. Yeah. So my takeaway from what you're saying is um, for breakfast, lunch and dinner, I should be having a portion of protein and a portion of plant um, at yes. each serve. So like I should never be having a meal that doesn't have protein or doesn't have some sort of plant on the on the plate. Yeah. Yeah. Long term, that's a really great habit to get into. Yeah. And if I'm hungry, I should bulk the meal up with more plant based product to make it like a yeah. calorie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So. If, if you added an extra 100 grams of veggies, you might be adding between 
20 and 50 calories. Like it's, it's not much. And that's a significant portion. Like it's going to, like I said before, if it takes up a lot of room in your plate and then takes up a lot of room in your stomach, it's going to keep you feeling full with that meal, but also um, in between meals. Yeah. And I love just like, I love food and love eating lots of food. So like, tried it all in the past when you're filling your plate with not much food like it's a little bit disheartening before you even start you know and when you're going to eat it and you're feeling disheartened like it's already um yeah yeah hydration what yeah. sort of uh, cues for that uh recommendations uh you know between two to 2.8 liters per person but depends on you know body weight um height general body size um, where that person lives, the activity levels, their sweat rate. But what I recommend to people is wherever you're at, if you're below that line, don't try and jump up to that two liters straight away. Like if you're someone who has half a liter a day or maybe one glass a day, then just go from like one glass to two glasses. All right. And then two to three, just slowly increase your, um, intake of water. Um, so another reason that we want to try and maintain hydration is it's great for digestion. Um, but also for blood volume and our oxygen gets transported around in our body. So um, it's just going to, for some people, like, they actually feel like they have more energy um, just because there's more oxygen going around in their body and, and more efficiently. Yeah. And with sleep, what's your, sorry, actually jumping back to hydration, if I'm like a pretty heavy coffee drinker, like that water is even more important. Like I'm sort of a yeah. two, three long black a day kind of person. Yeah, so the, uh, I, d I don't know, the, uh, I forget the exact um, portion of coffee um, that is going to dehydrate you, but if you have, say, a long black, it's not going to be as dehydrating um, as, say, if you just had espressos because there is some water in there. Um, same with tea. Um, but things like alcohol there, they dehydrate you. Um, but skim milk is actually very hydrating as well So because of the electrolytes in there. Um, so like the, the sodium that's in there. Uh, but one thing I want to say about uh, hydration as well is it also helps with our joints as well. So it helps with um, lubrication of our joints. Yeah. And what do you recommend? You can add a flavour to like, so if you're someone, sorry, if you're someone that hates drinking water because of the taste, um, then you can add some things like uh, sugar-free cordial that we're big fans of at FNC, so diet right. Um, you can just add some of that into your water to add some flavour and there's absolutely no issue with that. Yeah, the diet right cordial, I love it. What about yeah, uh, sleep? Right here, what's, <laughs> what's your sleep tips? How many hours should we be looking for? We're looking at seven to nine hours a night. Um, and that's just for general pop. If you're an athlete, then looking for like eight to ten hours a night. And just some things with sleep, like some people think that it can they they do pretty well on say five hours a night. Um, but that's very, very subjective. Um, I would like them to then get seven hours a night and see how much better they actually feel. Um, but just trying to do everything you can to get that seven to nine hours of sleep, just because uh, when we undersleep, we actually, if our goal is fat loss, we tend to lose more muscle mass um, rather than, than fat. So um, it's actually quite beneficial for fat loss in that sense. Uh, we're going to be retaining more muscle. Uh, we can actually... Um, so when we sleep properly, we are more likely to retain new knowledge and, and new skills as well, um, has benefits on our overall health um, and our hunger and satiety. So when we undersleep, the next day we tend to feel more hungry 
uh, and we tend to feel less satisfied with our meals as well. We tend to crave more of our indulgent foods. Uh, we then have less energy and then less energy to, pra to practice willpower to say no to those things. So uh, it can be quite a vicious cycle to get into. Um, some of our tips with, uh, with improving sleep quality is to reduce your caffeine intake. Um, so caffeine has a half-life of bet between six to eight hours. Um, so pretty much if you have a coffee at um, like 3 p.m., half of that caffeine could still be in your system around 9 p.m. Uh, when you're trying to, to wind down. Yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? I always know that I try and have my last coffee sort of by midday or around that. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. What's yeah. some tips? Um, alcohol also fragments our sleep too. Um, so we might think that, you know, it puts us to sleep, but it does because it's a sedative. Um, but it fragments the second part of our sleep cycle, which is where the, the major part of restoration happens. Yeah. And what's your tips for eliminate? You can never eliminate stress, I guess, but what's some tips for managing it? Uh, just instead of looking for a short-term fix, see if you can look at a, a more of a long-term solution. Um, can you potentially you know, mitigate how much this stress affects do um, if you can control it what can you do to reduce how much um, how frequent it's occurring if you can't control it can you find a more positive outlet um, can you maybe talk about the, the situation um, instead of looking at eating um, as an option like to, to reduce your stress can you maybe talk to someone can you do some mindfulness meditation breath work go for a walk um, like I said call a friend can you find a more positive outlet for the stress uh, rather than looking at, um, you know, stress eating, which can be quite a popular one. But um, that, all of those are still quite short-term solutions. But I think if you can try and look long-term um, at how you can either remove the stress or just reduce the frequency um, or guess how much it impacts you, um, that's going to go a, a long way for just, you know, lifelong success in that sense. Yeah. And point five was patience and consistency. And I always try and say to my clients, trust the process. Um, I, yeah. always, I always want to lose five kilos in the first month, you know, and I'm the same as you. Like it's not about losing five and then putting it back on because everyone's done that vicious circle, haven't they? It's about creating yeah. a lifestyle, but which, how, how do we do it? How do we advise? Uh, yeah, I think if we can try and give them different analogies and different scenarios, I know that the money one's always a very good one. Like, you know, you can't expect to save five grand in five weeks or depends on who you are, but um, you know what I mean? So if you can try and look at those parallels, you know, you want to do you know slow savings over time. Um, but even like if you just can say to people, well, you didn't put five kilos on in five weeks, um, unless you went absolutely mental, like, um, like you didn't put it all on in five weeks, so don't expect to lose it all in five weeks. So, um, look at it that way, I guess. But it, it, it is a very hard mindset to, to get people to try and follow, um, because they, they want things right now. Um, they see all they see is before and after photos, they don't see the, the, the long transformation that that person's kind of gone on. Yeah, because if your intention is to, you know, eat this for the five, eight, ten weeks that it takes and you plan on going back to eating what you're eating, it's only going to come back on 
more than likely. Exactly, exactly right. You're just going to go, yeah, if you didn't learn how to say like create a budget with your favorite foods in there um, within your calorie budget and you just added those back on afterwards, you're just going to put the weight back on. Yeah, yeah. Keep trusting it, I guess. I. That's it, yeah. Trust the process. And I think it's relying on the habits rather than relying on motivation um, as well and just, you know, making sure you're, you're doing everything you can each day that's going to move you one step closer towards your goal. Yeah, I love that. One little step each day is a big compounding effect over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And something that you didn't touch on in your five, where does fat and carbs sit in? Do you believe in them? What's your thoughts there? Sorry, what was that last bit? It just cut out a little bit. So one of the, uh, sorry, fat and carbs weren't part of your sort of one to five. What's your thoughts on them? Do you believe in them? Should we be eating them? Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely should be eating them. Uh, fat should, you know, equate for, let's say, roughly 30% of your diet depending on, on what your goals are and your activities level, activity levels are. Uh, fats help with the absorption of certain um, fat-soluble vitamins, so A, D, E, and K. Um, they also help with sex steroid uh, production, with recovery. They're a slow-release source of energy um, and great for like, brain function as well. So they certainly have a role to play. Um, and carbohydrates are our primary energy source for exercise. Anything that's above, say, like a 70, 60% intensity, we're going to be using carbohydrates for. So um, if you go through bouts of more intense exercise, you're going to require more carbohydrates. If you go through a period of time where you have less exercise um, or even like low intensity kind of stuff, you're just going to require less carbohydrates. But um, yeah, carbs certainly have a role to play, especially whole food carbohydrates um, provide us with some fiber, um, which is great for digestion and satiety as well. Yeah. And... So, like, everything we read is, like, either low-fat or low-carb, but, like, this is what I really liked about Fortitude is there's a spot for both in my plan. Like, fat's vital yeah. for us, and I haven't met anyone who doesn't love carbs yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if they, if they say they don't love carbs, they're lying. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, um. Where was I going? Where does alcohol fit into all of this, mate? Should we be drinking low-carb beer? Uh, we be drinking vodka straight? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so when it comes to alcohol, the thing that I, my answer is drink the alcohol that you can enjoy in moderation. That's still going to move you towards your goals. So I don't believe in restricting yourself of anything that you enjoy. So let's say we use the eight-week um, challenge as an example that people follow. They restrict everything that they enjoy, including alcohol, for eight weeks. They're not going to enjoy that process, and they're just going to, like I said before, they're going to add it back on without learning how to budget it, budget it in. I really like beer, um, so I find a way to fit it into my diet, and I make sure that I actually enjoy it so i'm going to drink the beers that i enjoy typically a pale ale um, or you know some kind of craft beer if someone then told me i had to drink a low carb beer i would just not drink it at all because i wouldn't enjoy it so what's the purpose of alcohol for most people to to be enjoyed okay we don't want it to be um, a coping strategy but just find a way that you can enjoy it for its purpose 
um, and you can still move towards your goal, um, you know, maintain and maintain a healthy weight. So, yeah. Is there much difference between like a low carb beer and a regular beer in terms of calories anyways? So low carb beers that I've seen, they look between like 70 and 80 calories and a regular beer could be between, you know, 90 and 150 calories. So, you know, not really much difference. Um, if you're having heaps in a week, then yeah, there's going to be, a, you know, that's going to accumulate quite a bit. Um, but if you can, you know, have the one that you enjoy, drink it slowly. Um, and, and like I said, in that moderation that, you know, ticks off that social and emotional health uh, without going overboard, it's probably better than drinking, in my opinion, um, a low carb one that you hate. Yeah, 100%. And what's yeah. your sort of strategy? Um, Actually, let me jump back to the carbs for a second. A few times I've had clients kind of say to me, um, I might just drop the carbs back for a week or two to try and kickstart my weight loss. What sort of your thoughts on that? I would just say to that person, if that's what you want to do, by all means, go for it. However, you need to understand how weight loss occurs. Um, weight loss, fat loss is going to occur when you're in a calorie deficit, so consuming less calories than you're burning. So if you want to remove your carbohydrates to kickstart your, kickstart your weight loss, understand that all, that all you're doing is removing calories. It's not the carbohydrates that are causing the, the, fat, the fat loss. Um, and then if you add them, what, and then I would say to them, what are you going to do? Are you going to add them back in? Or would you rather then learn how to budget them in um, by maybe taking back some carbs and some fat? Um, people also need to understand that uh, when we store carbohydrates, we also store water. So every gram of carbohydrate that we store, we also store three grams of water. Um, so if we stored, say, 500 grams of carbohydrate, uh, we would then store 1.5 kilos of water. So we would potentially be holding an extra two kilos. Um, the same happens in reverse. If we were to then, like, um, honestly burn, but say, like, say if we, we lost say 500 grams of stored carbohydrates in my body, uh, we would then lose a 1.5 liters of, so of water, which then would mean a two kilo reduction. So um, people say, oh, I've dropped carbs and I lost so much weight. I'm like, yeah, you lost a lot of water weight. It wasn't necessarily fat. Yeah. So calorie deficit over the course of a week, um, I think it's important to eat enough Monday to Friday. So come a weekend, you don't really... Um, you don't undo it all kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like so many people just want to eat 1,200 calories Monday to Friday, then get to a weekend and uh, can't sustain it. Um, what's your tips kind of to ensure you're eating enough over the purpose of a week? Yeah, I think just don't restrict yourself too much um, during the week so that, you can, so that you get to the point where you don't have any energy um, and you just you see something and you want to inhale it straight away. Um, so don't restrict yourself too much of the things that you enjoy and of too many calories during the week. Um, but also even like on the flip side of that, like set yourself a budget. Um, you know, we want to look at the weekly average over time. So if someone say has 2000 calories a day to eat times by seven and you've got 14,000 calories for the week, um, you may then just go 1800 for um, Monday to Friday and that gives you a little bit extra over the weekend so you can set yourself a little bit of a buffer um go just below during the week so you can have a bit more on the weekend or if you know you've got a social event coming up 
and you know, budget some more for that. But it doesn't mean restricting yourself too much. Um, and I, I, it all comes back down to once again finding out what, what works best for that person. I know when I did my mini cut at the end of last year, um, I basically did like five days um, pretty normal, uh, one high day and one low day just to, you know, fit some ice cream and some beer in. But yeah. it wasn't like a, a staff myself and then blow out. Um, still protein implants throughout the week, um, you know, getting enough carbs for training and, you know, fats away from training. Um, but I just kind of set myself a budget. So, yeah. And we just mentioned calories. Like I totally understand tracking calories isn't for everyone. Like if, if it's not for you, don't do it. Like set up a food diary kind of option. For the people who want to go one step further, what's the benefit of once you're tracking your calories, taking note of what your protein, fat, and carb intake is? Uh, well, pretty much if your goal is fat loss, um, if protein and calories is all you would really need to track. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't matter too much about the combination of carbs and fat. If you're an athlete uh, or someone who really does care about the performance, um, taking note of their carbohydrate intake is, is really um, beneficial. Um, just making sure you're getting enough for exercise and, and for recovery. Um, but, yeah, I think everyone's calories, calorie requirements are going to be very different based on, you know, their, their current body weight, their goal weight, activity levels, um, height, age, gender, all those kind of things. Um, but just if you, if you do want to track, just, you know, once again, be consistent with it. Um, but having an, an understanding of how much protein to have, you know, that's once again, it, it can be very different based on the person, their goal. Recommendations for that we do are generally between 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight and say like 2.2 um, grams per kilogram of body weight as well. Yeah, for sure. I love that you said that is like, don't get caught up on trying to nail everything. Like if you can nail your calories, like that's, that's number one. And then step yeah. further is if you can nail your protein is number two. Yeah, um, but that's then it. it's also, a hierarchy. And then also understand that fat's vital for our health and carbs if you want to train hard are also quite important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So something that I know you also, I think it's. Oh, sorry, right, I was going to say it's also really important just to not try and live and die by the numbers as well. Um, don't just think, oh, I'm nailing every single one of my numbers. Uh, if you feel like shit and you're not performing well and not losing weight, then the, the numbers are always just estimation. Like, they, no matter what formula you use, they're always an estimation. So you need to make adjustments based on whatever measures of progress or, um, I guess, health markers you're experiencing. You need to make adjustments. If things, if things aren't working well, you might have to change things. Yeah. And... People obviously weight loss journey want to get on these scales that are this big that want to control their life. Um, yeah. They're not going to go down every single day. Like they are going to fluctuate. Yeah. What's, so, yeah, uh, weight, weight fluctuations can occur for a, a number of things. So like we mentioned before, um, carbohydrates. So, you know, eating more carbohydrates can have us uh, retaining more water. Um, if we've eaten a large meal, we've got more food volume in our stomach. Um, if you haven't gone to the toilet, done, done number two, um, then you could just be holding more weight, more stress, cortisol increase, water retention. Um, if you've gone through a bout of extra exercise um, or quite intense exercise, it'd be more blood volume. Um, yeah, it could be in a number of things that could lead to a weight fluctuation, either increase or, or even a decrease as well. So more frequent trips to the bathroom, 
um, you know, if you just ate, ate less food volume, you could be a little bit lighter on a day as well. Yeah. And what's your thoughts on getting on the scale? Should it be weekly? Should females push it out to monthly to try and stick in line with the cycle? Um, once again, it depends on the individual. So some people, they really fear the scale. Um, I think it could be because they just live and die by what the number says. Um, and they just, they rate their self-worth on, on what the number says. So if, if someone does fear stepping on the scale, I would just suggest that they don't do it. Um, we always try and suggest people take uh, multiple measures of progress. So not just scale weight, you know, take, you know, hip and waist measurements, um, compare how your clothes are fitting, if they're fitting looser, fitting tighter in certain areas, and certainly take before and after photos to measure your progress um, side by side. When we look in the mirror every single day, we're not going to notice much changes. Um, but when we compare photos to every 4, 8, 12, 16 weeks, we're going to hopefully notice some dramatic differences that we wouldn't notice if just by looking, you know, from say Wednesday to Thursday. Um, however, if, if stepping on the scale isn't an issue for you, um, like some people, they can step on it every single day and, and there's no problem. Um, just look at averages over time. So it can be quite a useful tool, like I mentioned before, to understand the weight fluctuations. So I might look on, look on the scale and go, I'm quite heavy today. Oh, haven't gone to the bathroom, quite stressed, slept pretty poorly. Um, those kind of things could lead to me being a little bit heavier today. Um, or, oh, I'm like heaps lighter today. I wonder why. Like, and you kind of think back about what happened the day before, the days before. And then just however many times you weigh yourself throughout the week, if you're doing multiple times, say three to seven times per week, and just take the average weight. So don't base yourself on the weight you are on Thursday. Do it based on, you know, so three or seven times, add it up, and then divide it by how many times you um, weighed yourself. So compare that weight each week. And yeah. then I guess with females, um, just comparing, trying to compare themselves at the same phase of each cycle um, because based on where they are at the cycle, um, they can be holding more more water weight based on hormone, um, uh, what hormones are active in their body or stronger in their body. So just, yeah, compare yourself week one to week one, week three, week three, um, don't kind of compare yourself, you know, one week you might be, you know, having holding less water. Don't compare yourself then to a week where you're holding more water. Yeah, for sure. Um, Atomic Habits, you love that book? Yeah, one of my favourites. Yeah, I'd see you post a lot about it. And something that you've now started to post a lot on the back of that is kind of habit stacking. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, basically it's just... Um, Stacking a habit that you want to build onto a habit that you currently already do. Um, so I recently uh, on the FNC Instagram and, and a Tim FNC Facebook group um, started a thing called the Kettle Challenge. And it was an idea that I had because um, my job in the mornings to make the bed. Um, and that was assigned by my girlfriend. And I was like, sometimes I'll just forget to do it in the morning. So I was like, I've got, maybe I can use habit stacking to um to get myself into the habit of making the bed every morning before I kind of start doing anything else and I was like when's a good time so I thought oh when I you know turn the kettle on I'll just go make the bed and now every time the kettle's on I just go make the bed it's become a habit and all it was is just stacking what I want to do onto what I currently do it's that um it's like it follows the cue routine um kind of habit loop so my cue then was pressing the kettle then my routine became go and make the bed so um, the kettle challenge 
that we, I kind of come up with was like, what can you do in a time it takes a kettle to boil? Um, and that was basically just a form of habit stacking as well. Yeah, for sure. And were you always like a reader and interested in learning, like back when you're in the band days and stuff? Like what's No, not at all. Um, it's, it's honestly crazy how much of a different person I am compared to who I was, let's say like seven years ago. Um, never read. I used to try and read, just never got into it. Um, but probably the last year or maybe the last two years, I've really gotten into it. Um, especially since I used to do a podcast with uh, two guys and we were called the OTV podcast and they used to read all the time and they would bring these quotes. They would actually even bring books to the podcast. And I was like, man, I've got to get into reading. Um, but it wasn't until I just found some really good books that resonated with me. Um, and one of those was Atomic Habits. And there's a few other that have just like, they've just really clicked. And I just threw, go through a combo of um, reading or audio books. And I've just gotten to the point where I just love learning and not just about nutrition, but about philosophy, about habits, about behavior. Um, and I want to try and absorb as much information as I can. And, and reading for me now is a great way to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I was similar, like went through a stage where it's just no learning at all, but now I'm sort of driven by it. Um, when I, I've seen, have you seen much of Jimmy Quick stuff? No, is he the, is he the brain quick guy? Yeah, I seen him live in Sydney and, yeah, it was awesome, like, to actually go that step further. I want to do, like, his um, speed reading course. That's kind of on the list. Oh, no. But uh, it's not about just reading it quicker too. It's about retaining the information better. Yeah, for sure. What yeah, I find that sometimes if I'm reading a book that I'm not really into, I'll just, like, I'll be looking at the words and following along, but I'll be thinking about something completely different. So if I know that I'm really into a book, I'm just like absorbing every single thing. I, I don't even know what's going on around me. I think the quote is like, read what you love until you learn to love to read. And that's probably the best yeah. um, piece of advice I got given. Like if you want to read autobiographies till you learn to love reading kind of thing, do that. Like don't just try and read, I guess, self-development books if, you know, it's not for you at the moment. Yeah, exactly right. What? Uh, where haven't we been, mate? What's touched on most things one thing i did want to actually touch on that was um like a game changer for me and it coming directly from you was the four main meals a day and eliminating the snacks that's been a game changer for me and a few of my clients that obviously could fit it into their lifestyle yeah yeah i think um finding a formula that works best for you is really important i think people some some people focus so much on snacks. I need healthy snacks, I need that, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you don't actually need snacks if you don't want to. Um, there's no issue with having three main meals, four main meals, five main meals. Just find a meal frequency that fits into your day and your lifestyle. Um, for me, I really like four meals a day. For you, it works really well. I know Ryan, he's pretty similar, four, four meals apart. Um, you don't have to stick to a certain formula if it doesn't work for you. Like you don't have to have three main meals and two snacks. It's, you know, I think a lot of people do that um, and they think that they have to because that's how PTs may write a meal plan for them or how the F45 challenge might work or something and they might think they've got to boost their metabolism, but that's not a real thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think above all, like you just got to find what works for you. And I know for some people that is a barrier. Like I don't want to find out, I want to be told. But in the long run, it's all about, you know, 
fitting it into your life. Yeah, and supplements was another big one that I liked with you. Like I know Melissa signed up to do various things with like, you know, Lauren Simpson and Rachel Dillon and things like that. And it's like, oh, I've got to buy this fat burner and I've got to buy this and I've got to buy that, you know, that they obviously get probably kickbacks by. Yeah. Um, But your suggestion was for supplements was pretty much... Like, no. don't worry about it. Like, obviously, there's a benefit to magnesium and things like that if they... Yeah, cream, like, yeah the main ones would be, like, just fish oil and vitamin D for overall health, um, but then probably creatine yep. and caffeine. That's really, yeah, really it. it was, uh, I, r- I was writing something yesterday on vitamin C, and I was like, the, the recommendations in Australia are about 45 milligrams per day. And to hit that, you basically need to eat like maybe 50 grams of capsicum or one orange. Like, you know, you very rarely would you need to supplement with, with vitamin C unless you were, say, sick or you were, you were an athlete. So um, the, the supplement industry, is, so the area of supplements is a place that people want to focus on because it's easy. They go, oh, but I'm taking the supplement. So I'm like, is it working? Oh, I don't know, but that's going to be working. Like, well, no, like that's not going to work no matter what, really. Um, you got to focus on the big rocks, but it's just easier for people to take one magic pill um, and think that, that it's going to do something for them. Yeah, like it's the $60 fat burner that you buy. If you are getting results, chances are it's not that. It's the calorie yeah. deficit that you got yourself in anyways. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't because of the fat burner. It was because you, you might have been like, oh, I should probably start eating healthier. <laughs> Meal replacement shakes, like I see people constantly, you know, advertising like multi-level marketing meal replacement shakes that are going to make the trend and it just drives me up the wall. Mate, it's scary. Um, like I, I've heard of a person who lost the ability to chew food because they were taking meal replacement shakes. Um, and that's quite a scary thought that people can fear food so much they'll just keep taking this shake um that they will then take it for that long that they won't be able to then chew like that's a pretty scary thing to think about um but like we've said multiple times um on this podcast like but what happens when you then go and add food back in you haven't learned how to budget it all in it's a it's a quick fix you're not looking at the long-term solution yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. um few questions that i kind of reached out um on instagram with um, low carb versus regular beer we've kind of already touched on um, and the other one lean protein versus fattier protein we've already touched on as well um, but my partner who's a, like this come from a female so my partner who's a male drops weight easily why do I struggle um, I think we we don't even have to look at this as, a, as a, a partner thing it could just be like oh this person drops more weight than, than I can um, it's really comes down to like everyone's got different energy requirements um, based on their current body weight, their height, their age, their gender. I think we mentioned it already. Um, and also the activity levels. So they, some, per, some person may maintain weight at 2,000 calories. Some person may put weight on 2,000 calories. So um, it's, all very, it's all a very individualized approach. And I think we mentioned it many times as well. You've got to find a way that works best for you. Um, so I know that, you know, if my girlfriend and I ate the same food, um, you know, and I maintain weight, that she would put on weight. If I ate her food, I would lose weight dramatically as well. Um, you just got to find what 
what your calorie kind of target is um, through either tracking or non-tracking um, and base it off yourself, not base it off anyone else. Um, don't m measure your progress against anyone else's either. Um, just kind of just focus on yourself. That's probably my, my biggest tip when it comes to that. But all it would be is that that person has just gotten into a deficit um, and or a bigger deficit than you have or, or you aren't in one at the moment. So um, you then just need to make it adjustment yeah and that's something that i loved about you guys too while i'm thinking about it off the back of that is like you don't send me a meal plan to follow like you give me some basic principles that you want me to follow and that's yeah. what i do and i know i have clients who come to me that say can you write me a meal plan and i like refuse like i've never written anyone a meal plan because if i put on their stuff they don't like to eat maybe they still eat that food they have a really good result and um, but as soon as like the plans finish, they go back to eating what they were eating. Like yeah, super important that they they're eating what they like, fitting in with the guidelines that you know you provide. That's what I liked about the service that you guys run. Yeah, that's it. I find with just meal plans as well, people don't get that education factor from it. Yeah. Um, like I know people that have been on a meal plan and it says, oh, you know, tuna and, and brown rice, but they don't have brown rice. So they go, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm like, we'll just have white rice or have any type of carbohydrate instead of brown rice if you don't have it. Like, but they don't have that. They don't understand um, how to adapt it. And I think uh, um, that's like education equals adaptation. Yeah, I love that quote. Um, should you eat more calories at certain parts of the day, e.g. breakfast or more of a night? Very individualised as well. Um, I think I can answer that, <laughs> answer every question with it depends. Um, Study, some studies have been done on, you know, carbohydrate timing, so either at the start of the day or at the end of the day, um, and both show positive results. Um, so if you want to eat your carbs at the start of the day, eat them at the start. If you want to eat them at the end of the day, eat them at the end. Um, if you like, like I personally love having a really high-calorie big brekkie, um, so I do that, um, but it's, it's very, very individualised. Just monitor your progress. Um, probably the only thing I would focus on with evenings is if you have a really, really big meal before bed and it disrupts your sleep, um, then maybe look at changing it. But that's once again, a very individualized approach. So um, there is, doesn't matter how you kind of space your calories out there. Yeah, 100%. And last one, eggs, should I be eating the yolks? Uh, depends. It depends. Like, like uh, very rarely would I say don't eat them. Um, you know, they're a great source of fats. Um, so the white part of our egg is protein. Um, the yolk is fats. You know, we get great health benefits from, from fats and in particular whole eggs. Um, if you're going through a bit of a dieting phase where you, you're trying to reduce your fats and you enjoy eating other fats like nuts and avocados and oils, then you might reduce the egg yolk. But once again, it's dependent on your goal. Like I, the fats that I enjoy are things like avocado, um, peanut butter, whole eggs and and the fatty the fat from salmon so i typically keep them in um but it's yeah if i didn't yeah, if i liked other ones i would put, if i like olive oil and whatever um i might then just take the the yolk out but it's very goal dependent and personal preference yeah personally like i'd never recommend anyone sort of buy eggs and then throw the egg yolk out mm. but uh yeah obviously depending yeah. on how let's yeah, jump into that I was just say we do a bit of baking at home now, um, making some like healthy, high protein, low calorie recipes, and we typically just buy a, a carton of egg white, 
Um, just we're just trying to make them really high protein options. So, um, but I don't think yeah. you can buy a carton of egg yolks in uh, egg whites. In <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> the joys. Um, question one: Tell me something about you that no one would know. Uh, this one's a pretty hard one, but I think uh, I take it back to. So I was starting to learn how to play guitar when I was eight years old, and I went to my first guitar lesson. And two things the guy said to me I was very embarrassed by that I've, I don't think I've told anyone is the first one he said, what's your favourite band? And I said, Backstreet Boys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I didn't know, um, so I didn't know if I was left-handed or right-handed at that time in regards to guitar. Um, I've always been left-handed like in my writing and whatever. And um, he said, oh, how do you play air guitar? And I said, what's an air guitar? <laughs> <laughs> So there are two things I think that um, you're throwing yourself in the deep end too. Yeah, I so backstreet boys and didn't know what air guitar was. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's two things that either no one or not many people know about me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, best piece of advice you've ever been given? This is a tricky one as well. Uh, probably in the last, uh, I think it might have been last year. Ryan, um, who runs Fortitude with me said to me, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on before you help others. So basically, you know, make sure you, you help yourself, look after yourself before you try and help anyone else. Yeah. And I think it's a, a great takeaway that we, I always try and tell people as well, um, clients, friends, when they say that they're too busy, they don't have enough time, you know, especially mums out there, you know, to be a good mum, you've got to be healthy. You've got to look after yourself, set a good example, um, but like you're you're no good to anyone else if you're not looking after yourself. Yeah, sometimes if you put yourself first, you're actually showing up better for your kids, aren't you? Like you. Yeah. Um, is there anything that's happened to you that you thought would be the worst thing in your life, but's turned out to a ble- be a blessing? You probably touched on this. Yeah, that car accident. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, it's crazy to look back on something like that now and go, "That's yeah. you know, really blessing." Yeah. Where do you want to be and where's Fortitude going to be in five years? Um, in five years, I would, I was saying to Nicole last night, I would like to maybe be living in Perth um, in five years' time. Uh, but Fortitude, I would just like to still be helping people, um, you know, keep the same values that we have or, or adapt if we need to. Um, but personally, actually not many people know this, um, but I would also like to maybe study dietetics and get into working um, in like pregnancy and early childhood um, nutrition as well. Yep. So that's kind of a bit of a, a really long-term goal for me. So maybe in five years' time, I would maybe start to study that and get into that somehow. Yeah, I love asking that because most people don't really think big picture and most people don't really think big enough, you know, like yeah. If you keep taking one little step forward every day for the next five years, like could be crazy how many members are in the Fortitude group and, you know, how yeah. much laugh you might have, whatever. Yeah. Favourite quote? Um, I've got two. Uh, I forget what the other one was. But this one I really love. It's about habits. It's um, the difference between who you are and who you want to be is what you do. Yeah. Um, and then the other one was a quote about... Um, if you want to be rich, uh, reduce how much you want. I think it's something like that. I read it last night in this book that I'm reading at the moment called The Happiness Paradox. Um, and it's basically like, yeah, you could be you could be rich now if you just 
produce how much you want or the extent of things that you want. And I was like, I really like that because at the moment, I feel like I'm a pretty rich person in that sense. Like there's a lot of, there's not a lot of things that I want. Um, I feel like really content with my life, feel really, really happy. I love waking up every single day. Um, I love going to bed because it means I'm going to wake up the next day and I look forward to what I'm going to do. Um, so I think if we just, yeah, just reduce how much, how many things you want, um, you're already going to live a rich and happy life. Yeah, that's a great spot to be, mate. And um, I guess it's similar stuff to what Gary Vee says is just stop buying shit you don't need, you know, to try and make yourself happy because that stuff doesn't really make you happy. It's just a materialistic thing. Yeah, and what's his other one? It's like um, if you if you live for the weekend, your shit's already broken. Yeah, that's right. I was listening to him yesterday and he's like, if you're pumped that it's Friday, you're doing the wrong things. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like I, I work you know, six days a week. I give myself Sundays off. Um, and I find that actually Mondays are quite hard to get into because I've, I've stopped. Um, and it's not even like I, I don't even like want to take a day off. I'm like, I need, I need to take a day off to refresh and, you know, spend some quality time with my girlfriend. But I don't take Sunday. I don't look forward to Sundays because I'm not working. I'm, I'm looking forward to Sundays because I'm doing other stuff. Um, but I, I love what I do. And yeah. I so, I'm so blessed to be able to say that. And I, I really wish everyone um, got to say that. Yeah, same as me. Like I could work all day. It doesn't really worry me because I love what I do. So yeah. good spot to be. Where can the listeners find you if they want to uh, contact you? Fortitude, what could they do there to get a bit more? Yeah, so our socials are at Fortitude Nutrition Coaching for um, Instagram. Our website is www.fortitudenutritioncoaching.com.au and Facebook is just Fortitude Nutrition Coaching as well. Yeah, what about joining the FNC community? Yeah, so each week we hold, actually each fortnight, sorry, we hold a uh, nutrition webinar. Uh, we post exclusive content in the group. Every Friday we have um, Friday question time where you can ask a question to uh, one of the coaches and I'll answer it for you. Uh, we have video lessons in there. We have infographs. We have um, tips. We have recipes, meal inspiration. We've got, it's basically just an online resource um, and you can access that for only $5 a week. So pretty much the price of a coffee in Sydney um, per week. You can sign up to FNC community plus there's, you know, there's over nearly 400 people in there um, that are like-minded individuals and kind of sharing the same journey that you're on. Yeah. Cool, mate. You're doing really good things. Um, Thank you. Jumping on. Thanks for all the help you've given me and, and given my members as well. No worries. Thanks for having me on. All good, mate. Till next time. Later. Cheers. See ya. I'm sick of us not doing this right, that's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right, that's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. Wasted energy spending a place for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door, but time's a currency, I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon, I don't mean to be rude, but this scene ain't for me. Like your mom's seeing your nudes, I got places. Thanks for listening, guys. If you like this episode, take a photo, screenshot it, put it on your Instagram story, tag Logan Thorpe and Logan Thorpe Fitness. If you haven't done so already, make sure you jump on, leave a review, and subscribe. If you think one of your friends could get some tips out of this, make sure you share it. Till next time.